Welcome to the Southland Podcast, a resource produced by Southland Christian Ministries located in Ringgold, Louisiana. We trust that this podcast will encourage and equip you in your walk with God. We do appreciate uh, your willingness to take these questions. Also, you know, knowing that with questions come uh, vulnerability, right? To uh, be honest and uh, transparent. So uh, we take notes, you know, uh, write things down. And uh, these are good opportunities to start your own discussions. Uh, other people's questions may be things that you maybe want to ask, um, but uh, you have not asked yet, okay? You don't want that one? No. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, all right. So, here we go. <clears throat> all right. Someone is, uh, wants to know how fast you can say Peter Piper picked a pack of pickled peppers. Can you? Pretty fast? Good. All right. <laughs> that was from Will Brooks. <clears throat> All right. Uh, if someone's forging your name, you might want to check your checkbook as well. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Question number one. All right. And I'll let you guys decide, uh, obviously, who answers this. Or you can take turns, obviously. How do you balance ministry, kids, life, and time as a couple? How do you balance ministry, kids, life, and time as a couple? So life. How do you do life? How do you do life? Well, the balance of ministry and kids and all of that can be answered in several ways. Uh, one is it's, it's always changing because um, life is always changing. But there's a couple of things that we've learned uh, in all these years of traveling with our kids. Uh, we've, always, uh, we've always made ministry and family one and the same. Um, often we like to compartmentalize and, and, and we just decided we don't have the time to do that. So if we're serving the Lord, our kids are serving the Lord. Uh, when we're in revival, our kids are in a revival. Uh, when we go to a conference, the kids go to the conference. When we go soul winning, the kids go soul winning. Uh, if we're at choir practice, the kids are at choir practice. So we don't separate into individual and and obviously there are times where you have to, if we're counseling a married couple, the kids aren't going to be there. So there's obvious times, but, but really we do everything together as a family. And, and, and so the first thing is serve together. That's, that would be my first answer. And that has really paid off for our family. Um, the reason we lived in a fifth wheel for 16 years is so our family could serve the Lord together. And um, sometimes people would say to us, you know, do you give the kids a night off? They go to revival every night for crying out loud. Well, we never did. Um, if they needed it, we did. So rather than say, you know, you don't have to go to church on Tuesday night, you poor thing, you go every other night so you can take Tuesday night off. What we said was, isn't this great? We just get to serve the Lord. And um, and so if the kids weren't well, like there was a couple of times where I would I would very would realize our kids are struggling, they're tired. Uh, it's been a really busy season. And I would just say to the pastor and say, hey, my, my family's about done. And so just so you know, Thursday night, they will not be in the revival. I'm just, I'm going to let them stay home. They're going to get to bed early. They're going to get a good night's rest. Um, they're going to play a little bit, just, just a change of pace for them. 
And uh, so that was the exception, but we just served the Lord together. And, and the other thing was then we planned. Uh, I guess the other word there would be scheduled. We served the Lord together, but we scheduled balance. And one of the things we found that we could do was we could limit some things in order to prioritize other things. Like, I don't, I don't think it's wrong for you to have a TV at all. But in our family, there came a day in our marriage with our kids where we decided, you know what? This is one thing we could do without. If we just unplug the TV instead of having a TV on, you know, kind of every day we'd watch something every day. Instead of just having it on, let's just unplug it. And, and that way, then that's one less thing we have to deal with. And we limited other areas. There were just some things we just chose not to do. Not that it was right or wrong. It just, there are other things that were priorities. One of our priorities is to eat together as a family and, and, and especially the evening meal. That's the days kind of coming to an end, not a revival. We don't always have that luxury, but when we are home, our goal is to eat together. We eat together on Sunday afternoon. We always do that. And we would let the kids bring guests. Uh, you can bring your friends from church, but we're going to have a meal together. And we ate together every night. And that was a time where we put the phone away. Uh, you know, there are obviously exceptions and it still happens, but our goal is no phone, no phone at the table. And cause this is a family time. And as our kids have gotten older, uh, those times turned into amazing uh, fellowship, friendship, family ship, discipleship. Uh, our family meals would get really long because as the family got closer, as we served the Lord together, then our kids were able to They'd stay at the table and talk. And, and so the first thing is serve together. The second thing, make a schedule. Schedule times where your family is together in serving the Lord together. Um, and and I, I guess maybe the, the third thing I would, I would say there is that you, um, uh, you, you, you stay happy. <laughs> um, don't, don't serve the Lord unhappily. That makes a huge difference in, in just having a happy ministry and a happy family. Serve the Lord happily. and Because if you complain, your kids will. If you see ministry as hard and negative, your kids will see ministry as hard and negative. And uh, so just make sure, even you that aren't in ministry, make sure that your kids just think it's great to go to church. Don't let that become a complaint. Oh, my word, we have to go to church. And we all, we joke about that because we have some friends now that don't have Sunday night service. And so I was like, man, it'd be great if we were liberal too. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes you're just tired and you're like, wow, it's time to go to church again. And, and, uh, but we just decided to do it happily. And so do you add anything to that? I just um, plan and prioritize. And what he said about being happy, I think ladies, this, this can rest a lot on us because our husbands do get busy. And it, if it is in ministry, um, we can allow Satan to, plant seeds of bitterness in our heart towards the ministry, towards the people that we're trying to serve. And then it becomes a source of contention between us. So if your priority is, well, we serve the Lord, we serve him together, but we're going to love each other and we're going to love our family. Those are priorities. You know that that, that time will come, ladies, when the ministry is going to maybe slow down a little bit. It never seems like it's going to, but you will have those times to look forward to. So instead of the times where your husband just seems to be gone all the time and there's so much to do, um, just look forward to that time that while well, we have this, this date is planned Thursday night and hopefully no one's going to end up in the hospital or need the pastor to come or whatever. Um, or we have this vacation planned or whatever. 
Um, so I think planning and prioritizing and then serving happily in the meantime. Okay. All right. What we'll do is after each question, we'll take one. If someone has one question. So if you ask a question, that's your question. You can't ask any more questions. All right. Uh, if you have comments, hang on to them. All right. So does anybody have one follow-up question that they would like to ask? No. Okay. All right. Next question. When it comes to our love life, how do I talk to my wife about my needs without sounding perverted? <laughs> well, that's a great question. Um, the, the, I think I, I would, I would, obviously this is from a guy. <laughs> um, Good to know. <laughs> I, I would say if, if this is an issue in your heart to where, um, we have a need in this area of our life. We're talking about the bedroom relationship, obviously. Um, then, uh, for, first of all, if it is perverted, then then it should not be a part of your marriage. Let me just start there. Meaning that um, if your wife is uncomfortable about something that you're demanding, and and it's uh, and it is perverted, then honor her the way you honor your wife by not demanding something out of your wife that she's uncomfortable with. And uh, I, I would think that biblically speaking, marriage is wide open. Enjoy your marriage, enjoy each other, uh, do whatever you're comfortable doing as a couple. But if your spouse is uneasy about something, then the wise thing for you to do is to honor your spouse about that. Now, having said that. I can also back up and say, if there's a legitimate need, uh, if there's a legitimate desire, maybe, I mean, I'm not sure exactly where the question, you know, what the heart of the question is, but say, for instance, uh, a, a guy feels like we don't do that enough. And, and I, I want to, I want to talk about that. Well, then the fact of the matter is difficult conversations should be scheduled. Meaning you, you don't spring this on a spouse. What you do is you say, Hey, um, can we go out? Thursday night, and and when we do, can can there's I want to talk to you about something that's very important to me, so that your spouse is aware that we're going out to eat, and there's something very important, and my spouse wants to talk to me about. Schedule it and announce it. You don't give the details, but you let it be known. I need to talk about something that's weighing on me, and it's hard for me to do it, but I want to do it Thursday night. We're going to schedule a time to go. Can we talk Thursday night? And when your spouse announces that to you, first of all, pray for them. Say, God, something is weighing on my spouse and I want to be wise about it. Help me. And then you pray about what you're going to talk about. Help me to be wise. And then remember this. This is a big one. When you talk about needs like this, first of all, you state state the need or, or the preference or the desire. And, and then do this as best you can. Be very careful that you don't make accusations accusations always harden and close the door for conversations. So if you're going to say you never meet my need, you can guarantee what's going to happen right here. Every time your spouse is going to get defensive, your spouse is going to argue with you. So you have to learn to phrase these kind of discussions in a simple statement of the need. And then in a question, you could say, I feel like, let me just use an illustration. You could say, I, 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 I really would like for us to be together in the bedroom more than we are. Is that something you think we could make happen? 
what you did there is you opened the floor for questions. You didn't attack your spouse. You stated your need and you ask a question about it. And, and, and then you be open. You may find out that, that, you know, your wife may say, well, you know, I'd like to, but, and have legitimate reasons why it's not been working. So it's not the time to get defensive and attack each other. Uh, for you that are on the receiving end, if your spouse comes to you with a very heavy burden in their heart about a need in their life, then uh, listen and ask them questions. Your, your priority is to listen at that point, and you respond by asking questions, not making accusations or defenses. You ask questions in response. You say, well, um, you know, I, I understand, but you know, what would we do about this? Or how do we handle that? Or, or, you know, you know, you know, I, I, I get up at three to go to work, so I'm in bed at eight, but you don't want to come to bed until 11. That, that's a valid, that's a valid problem scenario that has to be addressed. And, and so I guess the answer to that is if something is legitimately perverted to your spouse, it may be that your spouse thinks something is perverted, but has an unhealthy view because of a background in pornography or a background in, in abuse. Maybe your spouse was abused or has a family that would have never talked about these things and thinks everything is perverted. There's all kinds of scenarios. Counseling is available for that. Uh, but, you, but if it's a legitimate concern to your spouse uh, and, and other things are good, but there's one area that you feel like is a need of mine, but she's not willing then you honor your wife by, by being satisfied with everything else, but let that thing go. Don't demand something of your wife your wife is uncomfortable with. Uh, that's, not, that's not wise on your part, and it's dishonoring your wife. But you ask questions. Remember that the Bible tells us that a soft answer turns away wrath. When you have discussions about very personal things, lower your voice. Uh, the lowering your voice brings an element of, of attention to it, shows an element of soberness and seriousness. Uh, so that's 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 where I'm going with that. You agree? All right. Any follow up question? Chirp chirp. <laughs> Maybe uh, my answers are too long, or they're just good. Oh, I like you. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> Keep it coming. Keep it coming. <laughs> All right. What do I do when I don't feel like I love my spouse? I answered the first two. <laughs> well, we have an example in scripture from the book of Revelation, I believe, where um, the apostle is speaking to the churches and he says, you've lost your first love. And what do you need to do? You need to go back and you need to do the first things that you did. Sometimes we feel like we don't love each other because we've stopped dating one another. We've stopped doing all of the sweet things that we did. At the beginning, even before we were married, when we were dating and falling in love with one another. Um, and so go, I would, my first suggestion would be go back and do the things that you did before. Um, if you're a lady, then text your husband and say, hey, it's been a while since we've been out. Would you like to go out with me? Maybe you wouldn't have done that before you were married. I would not have done that before we were married. But now but that we're married. Now. Oh, yes. I can ask him out on a date. Um, go and out. I pay. And pay. Write that yes. down. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> um, and then and talk, talk, talk. Um, that's how you fell in love with one, one another because you knew where each other were coming from. 
you had these long conversations about who are you and what do you like to do and how did you grow up? And sometimes the longer you've been married, you don't really know who each other are anymore because you've changed a little bit. The seasons of life have come and gone. And so get to know one another. And then I would also say that love is more than a feeling. It is an action. And 1 Corinthians chapter 13 tells us what love is in action. And honestly, ladies especially, if we do, our feelings often will follow. So do the action. I will be kind to you. I will serve you. I will tell you that I love you. And often then your feelings will follow. That's very good. And you remember the, the text she's quoting there is, is the, the letter to the churches in Revelation. And, and he does say when, when they've lost their first love to do again, but he adds more to that as well. He adds two more things to that. He says, repent. So one of the things we have to do when we realize, you know, things aren't well in our marriage and we're not in love the way we were. It's a good time to stop and say, Lord, I'm not right with you. Because when you're married and you're no longer in love, things aren't well spiritually. You may be a soul winner. You may sing in the choir. You may have the biggest King James Bible in your church. But you're not right with God. So you start by repentance. You say, Lord, I'm ashamed that I have to come to you and tell you that I don't love my spouse anymore. And I repent of that. I'm wrong. So start with repentance. Then he says remembrance. And Bethany touched on that one. But just stop for a moment and remember the person you married. Before we're married, we focus on all of their positive traits. We'll talk about this in one of our sessions. Then we get married and we become begin to be enamored by their negative traits. That becomes our main focal point. And we get that, who is this person I married? Same person you were dating. You just didn't know about their negative traits. And what you do then is you remember. You remember why you fell in love. You remember what made you like him. You remember what made you like her. And, uh, and share feelings. This is a harder one for me than, than it is for, for Bethany and probably often true this way. But one of the things I, I noticed that helps us to be in love is when we share feelings. Um, you know, I, I can tell her about the day, you know, I, I did this and this and this. But if I work at adding more to it, you know, it really bothered me that such and such happened. I find that my wife is like, oh, yeah? Tell me more. Because that pulls her in. And Bethany works at it the other way as well. She, she's always aware of the fact that as a guy, I see things differently. And, and, and so she catches my bids too. Well, that's something you'll hear us say tonight in our session. But now this is a big one. This is a really big one because it happens very frequently that couples live together but no longer feel like they're in love the way they once were. So you repent and, and you remember and you do exactly what she said. You start over. Uh, you know, there's a day you didn't love each other. You, you remember those days, don't you? When you didn't love each other at all? You didn't know each other? I, I did, when I was a freshman in college, I did not love her. I didn't have a clue who she was. And I didn't love her when I was a sophomore. I loved her when I was a junior. But my senior year, I met her at a soccer game on a Friday night. Don't know who won. Well, I do. I did. Um, don't know who won that game, but I'm the winner that night because I met her that night. And that was a year where we began to fall in love. And it was a lot of work. We, we wrote letters. That was back before email and before texting. Y'all remember those days? We had one year apart after graduation. She taught at a Christian school in Pennsylvania, and I was a PCC college rep. 
and we were nowhere near each other. But I went out every night to eat by myself. I was a single guy traveling, went out to eat every night by myself. And when I finished my dinner, I'd pull out my briefcase, my pad of paper and write her a letter. Did it every day and send her a note, dropped it, left dinner and dropped it in the mailbox. Um, sometimes you got to go back and do those things again. Remember when you used to get the door for her? <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> Remember when you always made his favorite meal? Remember when you were just so excited that you got to go to church together and sit together in church? Remember when you used to get excited about sitting together in church and snuggling? I remember those days. So that's, that's, where, that's what you do when you've started falling out of love. You fall back in by doing the first works. And, and that's, that's biblical. Any follow-up questions there? All right. Let me ask you this in follow-up. Okay. What if it's reversed? What if this one spouse loves the other one, but the other is not returning that uh, love and they have fallen out of love? How does the spouse who still loves try to win the heart back? Well, that, that's a very deep question in, in the sense that it's multifaceted. Gary Thomas in his book, Sacred Marriage, says that no matter what your spouse does, you can be what you're supposed to be and you can grow spiritually through every situation of your life. And, 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 and I can't imagine what it would be like to be married to Bethley and love her and not have that reciprocated. But Gary Thomas says that does happen. And when it happens, and I think he, he proves it biblically, if you read the book, if you were to read the book, when that happens, what you do is you grow spiritually, you grow, you make sure you are what you ought to be in the marriage and you make sure that you're growing spiritually so that even if your marriage ends, the fact of the matter is you are stronger and godlier and on the right path. So you grow yourself. But then um, God gave us two things that we can use to begin that process. One is communication. You talk, you talk, you talk. You don't nag, you don't badger, but but you need to start talking to find out what's going on. You communicate, you ask what, what's happening in our marriage. Bethley's dad taught me a, a, a question. You know, when you're a pastor, people leave your church, you know, frequently people, you know, I didn't like that song or, you know, just, I'm not getting fed. There's all kinds of reasons people will leave a church. But many times I go with Bethley's dad when somebody left his church and we'd sit down to, you know, visit with them. And dad always asked this question. He would say to them uh, two things. He would say, uh, well, you, do, do you know that I love you? Because I do. I love you. He always said that. You, you know that I love you. And uh, then he would say this. Uh, he'd say, um, would you be willing to tell me how I failed you? And he'd ask those two questions. Do you know I love you? I do. Well, obviously, I can you? would you mind telling me where I failed you? Because I, I know you're leaving the church, but I'd like to grow and and, and be better. And he always asked that question with such sincerity that I think people that left the church felt badly about leaving when it was all over. <laughs> and, but I noticed this, and this was hard on my wife at her daddy's funeral. It was a, it was a terrible snowstorm the night we had the receiving of friends. It iced and snowed and we thought nobody's going to come. I mean, this, the weather was horrible, but a two hour receiving of friends turned into almost a five hour and we actually ended up closing the doors. Mom could not handle anymore. And we just finally had to say, you know, we just, we just have to say, no, it's over. 
And um, we were surprised at how many people came to that funeral who left his church. They all lined up to show love and respect to Bethlehem's dad. And, and I remember partway through it. Is it okay if I tell this? <laughs> partway through it, my wife came running across the room and grabbed me. and was like, I can't believe she's here. <laughs> she is, I can't believe, what is she doing here? So I'll tell you what she's doing here. She's showing respect to a man that even though I think she was wrong, he never stopped loving her. He would see her in Kroger's and he treated her with respect and hugged her kids. And, and, and that's all we can do sometimes. You can't make your spouse do anything, but you can be godly and you can grow in the Lord and you can have a sweet spirit and you can, you can please God and, and you can advance yourself even if your spouse does fail. So, all right. I often ask my spouse where they think I need to change, but they never ask me. They don't appreciate it when I bring something up that they need to change, what do I do? <laughs> Did you, you read it again? Yes. Read it one more okay. I often ask my spouse where they think I need to change, but they never ask me. And they don't appreciate it when I bring something up that they need to change. Now let's take a poll. What Who's, do I do? Who was this? <laughs> a wife or a husband? Would you say this was a wife? Probably. Okay. Okay. Most of us would probably assume that. Would you assume that? Probably. Probably. But not necessarily, but probably. And, and I think we have an answer for that, don't we? <laughs> I was hoping you'd just jump in there and start answering. Well, I, I think what you said, uh, I think a, a couple questions ago, yes. I'm trying to remember, but asking questions, just ask questions. Um, Can as I just a jump way, in real quick? Yes, go ahead. Before we get off the, the before I forget the question, um, the fact of the matter is that if you're if you're asking what your spouse thinks you should change in hopes that he will ask so you can can address his issue, then probably that's not going to work. Yeah. Just I mean, just so you know, that's not going to work. If you legitimately are sincerely wanting to grow and be everything your spouse wants you to be, and you ask that question, then I'm saying kudos to you, two thumbs up. It's always invalid to say, how could I improve in our marriage and be better? That's always valid. If you're asking that sincerely, ask it and mean it. If your spouse never asks you how they can change, then, then there's not much you can do about that. Uh, if there's something legitimate in their life that you think they need to change, then that is a matter in which you can pray, right? You can pray about it. You can say, now, Lord, and I've heard Bethlehem say this many times, that the Spirit of God is, is far better able to work on me than she is. And uh, she has a lot of power in my life. There's no doubt about that. But the Spirit of God has a lot more power in my life than she does. And so you can pray about it. If you know something your husband needs to change, you can pray about it. And then sometimes maybe uh, don't expect him to ask you, but if there's something so big that you feel like, I need to talk with him about this because this needs to change, then, then the way you talk about that goes back to what we discussed. Plan it, announce it, ask questions about it. Plan when you're going to talk. Um, give them a heads up that you're going to talk about something and, and ask questions. And can I just say to you, if your spouse comes to you and says, uh, you know what, I think our marriage would be better if this changed. Uh, ask the Spirit of God. This is a Christian camp, right? So ask the Spirit of God to give you the wisdom to hear your spouse out. 
And, and, and the only point at this time, don't feel like you have to fix everything your spouse comes to you about, but your spouse, you owe it to your spouse to listen to what they have to say. And sometimes you may need to say this, guys, if this is a, uh, what I'm thinking, a, a lady to a guy, if, if I've got this right in my brain, can I make this suggestion for you men? When your wife comes to you with an issue like this, it is just God given in our sin nature for us to get defensive and go for crying out loud, leave me alone. I'm happy. I'm fine. We're fine. But the fact of the matter is, if she's not fine, we're not fine. But I don't have to have the answer. What I And this will help you men. Say this to your spouse. Say, uh, well, I'll tell you what. Um, I'll pray about it and think that through. And then add this to that, because I love you. I'll pray about it and think that through, because I love you. And then mean that and do it. And ladies, be patient. That, that's a fair statement, isn't it? Be patient. Because how many of y'all know that men change slowly? <laughs> y'all know that, don't you? Because it's a process of sanctification. How long does it take you to become like Jesus as a, as a sinful human being who got saved and has the Holy Spirit living inside? It takes a lifetime to become like Jesus. So your husband's becoming like Jesus. Give him the time to do it. You pray for him. You love him. And, and, and if you have to point out an area where he needs to change, you just bring it up. It was good. You could look on our uh, podcast website and scroll down for the episodes and send him the one that you think he needs to hear. <laughs> Just kidding. That's good. Amen. <laughs> YouTube videos, podcast, great yeah. way to do it. All right. Any other, any, say, any say, questions? Honey, here's a great podcast on not being a jerk. <laughs> Any questions? All right. Man, you guys are doing great. No questions after that. Good. All right. How do you express needs, uh, in parentheses, or desires with your spouse without sounding selfish? Go ahead. I talked a lot. <laughs> um, I think probably just going back to what David said just a moment ago with if, if it's something big, saying, hey, can we talk sometime and setting up the time? Ladies, as soon as your husband walks through the door is not the time to hit him with something. It's just not. And I know that how we are, it's been on our heart all day. So we feel like he should be able to take it. It's on my heart all day. It needs to be on your heart now. Um, but just set up the time and sweetly um, express those desires, but prayerfully asking the Lord. I know the Lord has so worked in my heart that there are so many times that I'll say, Lord, this seems like a frustration or an irritation between us that I just feel like I need to tell him this. I just need to get it all out. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, no, you don't. You're being selfish right now. So ask the Lord. And if it is a selfish desire, the Lord will just help you to move on and help you to grow in that area. But if it's something that you do need to work on, the Lord then can fill you and give you his words so that you're not accusatory and also, you know, just sweetly laying it out there and then asking the question, what can we do about this? Or is there a way that you can help me with this? I would add to that regular times of meeting together helps. Like many mornings, Bethy and I walk together. We have a golden retriever. And so during COVID, we were home 10 weeks during COVID. It was the first time we've been home 10 weeks in like 20 years. And uh, it was just, it was pretty awesome for us, 20, 10 weeks at home. 
But during that time, we started every morning with a walk, about two miles, and just talk. Nothing, no, no agendas, no issues. But what it developed, I noticed in our marriage, was a, regularly, a regular time every day in which we just talk. No issues, but every day, about 25 to 30 minutes, we are together every day to where we're walking and talking. And, and usually it's no big deal. We laugh about stuff. We talk about the kids. But I have also noticed that because we regularly do that, it's an easy time to bring up sensitive situations to where as we're walking, Bethany may say, hey, uh, would it be okay if we, we, we talk about, and she'll name something. It's kind of been bothering me. Do we have time to talk about this now? And because we're always walking and talking, it's, it's, it makes it easier to address issues with each other because we do this every day. We talk every day. And uh, so maybe you ought to look for a time when you can schedule to where you guys do something together every day as a talk time. For you that have younger kids, it might be that every night you need to, you know, have, start training the kids to sit and read a book or to watch a movie uh, to where the two of you can have some free time to where you just sit together, the, the, you, you, you as a couple. Maybe you can't do it every day, but like when our kids were younger, every Wednesday night was, was Dave and Bethley night. When the revival service ended on Wednesday night or the church service on Wednesday night, our children were trained. You're going to go home, get a snack, get your jammies on. You're going to go into bed. And that was in the fifth wheel. You're going to be right there, but you're going to get in bed. And, and you can read and you can talk, but you cannot bother mom and dad. Wednesday night is Dave and Bethley night. And we look back at those. Those were really sweet times. Every, once a week, we knew we were going to sit down and and sometimes we had nothing to talk about. We'd, you know, we'd watch, a, watch a movie. Or um, we would um, sometimes just go to bed early. Uh, <laughs> uh, sometimes, um, sometimes we'd go to McDonald's. I'd, bring, I'd run out and get fast food and bring it in. We'd just eat and sit and chat. Uh, so scheduled times, I think, helps us. Would you agree with that? Yes. And therefore, you're discussing things already on a normal basis. And so um, things don't build up in your hearts, ladies. That's a really good place to be. If things are not building up in your heart and you're just taking care of the little things on a daily or semi-daily basis. That helps. Good. Any other question on that? Wow. This is great. All right. Next question. What do you do for devotions together? Well, we pray together every day. And uh, that's a big one. Bethlehem has devotions. I have devotions and usually in the same room because we're usually in, a, in, a, in an RV. Uh, but, um, and she normally gets up before I do. So she's often had um, devotions already going on before I get up. And uh, but, um, many, most nights, we well, most mornings we pray together. And most evenings we pray together. And recently we have started a book uh, once a week. Uh, we read a chapter of this book uh, on Saturday nights. This Saturday night... For some reason, we missed. I had just flown in. That's from right, because you had just flown in. It was a really late night and, and everything. So this week we missed, but we've started a book. It's a um, it's a, a married devotional book, and it has uh, fifty two readings, fifty two chapters. So we're doing one chapter a week, and um, it's just not a lot. So three three pages is the average chapter, and so just read it. So you know, there's not a right or wrong way to have couples devotions. We agreed that we would always pray together every day, and normally at the end of our walk. After we've walked the dog, put the dog, you know, get the dog food and water. And then Beth and I'll sit for a few moments. And just one of the questions we ask every morning is, how can I help you today? What can I do for you today? And, and what's on your agenda today? We ask those questions every morning. So we're kind of on the same page. And then we pray together. And we often close out our day by praying together and, uh, or, and reading the devotional. We've used James Dobson's book, Night Light. 
for a while. We tried that one. The one we're using now is uh, Devotional Readings from Sacred Marriage by Gary Thomas. And we're really enjoying that one. He clicks in my mind and he's an excellent writer. Uh, he clicks in my mind in a way that I, I can, he just, he helps my heart. I, I understand him. And Bethley enjoys him as well. So here's an author we both enjoy. So that anything you'd add to that? So if you don't know what else to do, you know, read a couple of verses together and have prayer together. And that's something really special. Guys, if you've never prayed with your wife, work at it. You don't have to feel, don't feel, don't feel like you have to be a preacher. Don't feel like you have to um, have a revival meeting. Um, you don't have to sing. You don't have to take up an offering. Um, just, just say, hey, uh, let's, let's have prayer. And if you kind of schedule it to where it's predictable, like, you know, we, we, every morning when we're done walking, we just know the way we finish our walk is we're going to pray. That's just a given. We, it's just a given. It's like when you sit down to eat at a table, tech, typically a, the average Christian, it's a given. Before we put food in our mouth, we're going to thank the Lord. My, my papa, you say we're going to say grace. Uh, you, some of you may use that word. We're going to say grace. Um, but make those make it a given to where, you know, and don't, don't take long. Sometimes, sometimes we struggle with this devotional thing because we feel like, well, you know, we need to read three chapters together and have a Bible study and take notes and fill it out. Well, you know, stop it. Uh, just read a few verses together and... And, um, and, and hold each other's hands and talk to God about your kids and share your burdens, take your burdens to the Lord and just love him. Just be real practical is what I'm saying. Be very practical. And if you'll stay practical, it'll help you. Uh, don't, don't feel like you have to have a revival meeting, though. That's a big one. All right? Questions? All right. Let me ask you this. As you're traveling, those habits... Uh, a lot of times, you know, I've, I've experienced this when my, my dad traveled a lot at, at one point. The sometimes consistency would kind of be consistent for a while and then it would dive off. How do you restart that consistency um, while not sounding like you're, you're not doing it intentionally? And how do you restart that with your spouse or with your kids? How would you restart something to be consistent? Well, we just are very practical about it. And and usually we're on the same page. We know, okay, it's been a couple of days since we've had prayer together. It's been a couple of days since we had family devotions with charity. Um, and we just, you know, we just communicate, oh, it's been a few days. Maybe we should stop everything and get that done right now. Or, hey, remind, he'll say to me, remind me before we go to bed tonight, we need to call charity in and make sure we're having prayer with her. And, um, that's just all it is. It's just very practical and it's never done, at least in our marriage, it's never done in a contentious way. It's not like, are you kidding? You haven't prayed with me in three days. It's, Hey, would it be okay if we pray together this morning? It's been a few days. Yeah. And even when I travel, normally we're together, but even when we're apart, um, we, we have these and, and just take advantage of them. You know, I can still pray with my family. I can call them. Pray with my family before they go to bed. Uh, Beth and I can still, uh, frequently, Bethy will call me and say, uh, hey, uh, do you have time to pray with me? And, uh, well, well, yeah, I've got time to pray with you. <laughs> Stop everything. A call like that. I guarantee you, if, you're, if your kid called you and said, do you have time to pray with me? Wouldn't you like stop heaven and earth to pray with your kid? Like, hey, Yeah. You know, I don't need this business deal. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm praying with my kid. You'd interrupt anything to pray with your kid. And just treat your spouse the same way. 
just uh, ladies, feel free to call him. And, and uh, if Bethley is traveling at a ladies conference or whatever, getting ready to speak, she'll call me and say, Hey, I'm heading over to speak. Would you, will you pray with me before I go over to speak? These are just, you take advantage of these when you're apart and, and don't beat yourself up. We're not legalists. We're not supposed to be legalists. Uh, we're not trying to be little robots to where, Hey, we're spiritual because we pray together as a family every day for two hours. God's not looking for legalists. God's looking for people that love him and serve him. And so love him and serve him. Just love him and serve him. And when you get, you know, busy for a few days and you've kind of dropped the ball, then just acknowledge it and say, uh, you know, we've been really busy and, and one of the things we started doing, we try to be so practical that since we walk every morning, praying at the end of our walk is practical. It just makes sense. We're already together. But we tend to go to bed again every night, too. We just Our whole family tends to go to bed every night. We just It's this thing we do. We, we sleep every day. And so we just say, you know, since we all go to bed, here's a good time to, here's a good time to pray together. We're all going to go to bed. And so we, you know, we'll just announce it. I'll just say, hey, kids, dad, mom, you're getting ready to go to bed. Meet me in my room. And uh, we finally learned that that's not always a wise thing to do because teenagers will come, crawl on your bed, and stay the rest of the night with you. And, uh, but, you know, we learned to love that. Uh, there's something special. I, I was complaining about it one day because I had two of my, uh, two or three of our kids had kept us up the night before, and they'd come in and piled on the bed, and, you know, and, and, uh, and they're asking questions, talking, usually just being goofy. And, and, you know, we're not leaving the room. We love you. You, you hate us. You're kicking us out of your room. And, and it was just a whole bunch of goofy, fun times. And I said to a, an evangelist friend of mine the next morning, I was like, my kids came in, kept me up half the night. They're always piling on my bed. And, and, and he said, I'll never forget this. He said, uh, do, you, do you know how many kids would love to have a daddy where they could pile on the bed and talk to him till one in the morning? And the Lord used that to help me understand, bring it on. Sleep is, who needs sleep? <laughs> My kids need me though, right? So just be real practical, very practical. Yeah. Good. I think Mike Herbster told me one of the best pieces of advice when my kids would come in at night, crawl into bed. I was like, ah. He's like, one night they won't. So enjoy it. So that was just kind of what we, we've done in our, in our marriage as well. All right, next question. Uh, how does bringing up it says resolved problems affect your marriage, but it might mean unresolved. Well, I think it probably means question because sometimes in a discussion, uh, uh, an argument, um, you you can in, in the intensity of a moment bring up things that's already bridge water under the bridge. I, I'm assuming that's what that means. It could be, yeah. And if that if if we're reading that right, uh, number one that. It happens typically, typically because women have better memories than men. It's the wife that remembers things and the emotion of the moment feels it. So number one, guys, be okay with that. Letter. So she's going to bring up something you said 13 years ago, and you're not even sure that you were alive 13 years ago. But she not only knows you were alive, she knows what you said 13 years ago. And God designed it that way. So don't let that bother you. Accept it and embrace it. And, and, and just roll with it. And, and sometimes, sometimes when we're having a discussion, my wife feels things so, um, and I'm talking about a discussion of challenge, okay? Uh, you, you know what I mean by that? Um, uh, a challenging moment, um, you know, where, where she's wrong. That, that kind of moment. Are, are you <laughs> that kind of moment. Well, what I've noticed is that Bethley, when she's concerned about something and it's in her heart, uh, all of her heart is connected to all kinds of things that has been in the past. And that's normal. I, I, I used to think that was my wife. 
why is my wife that way? Well, then I realize, well, it's because um, she's a woman. And that's how God designed her brain to work. So I had to be okay with that. Uh, on the other hand, then, it's also true that wives, uh, a legitimate discussion means, husbands, you need to be okay with it. That's the first thing I'm saying, because that's how God made her. But on the other hand, wives, you need to be aware that God didn't make him that way. And as you bring up tons and tons and tons and tons of issues that are that in your mind are connected because you feel them, what you do to your husband is you overload his mind. And honestly, I will promise you, he cannot answer you at that point because you, there are so many things going in his head. Um, psychologists and, and psychiatrists even will tell us that when you overload your husband with all of those results, they're already resolved, they're already done, they're already water under the bridge, that it literally, am I saying this right? It is physically painful to a man. It, it, it affects his heart in such a way that it's physically painful. And his mind cannot. Uh, it takes the average man, and this will be a blessing to you, uh, but it's true, it takes the average man seven hours for his brain to resolve a conflict that yours as a wife can resolve almost instantly. Now, if you understand that, that changes everything about an argument. Guys, you got to understand your wife can figure it out right now. She just feels it. She, she knows what she feels, and she, she, it's all connected in there. But ladies, you've got to understand that the way God designed your husband is to think it through. And it takes him up to seven hours to think it through to where his heart is at rest, literally physically at rest. His blood pressure's calm because he's finally got an answer to it. So what we've learned to do, we've learned to do, is I've learned to let my wife get it all out. It's okay. She's made by God that way. And she's working at learning to give me the time to process it. So we don't have to solve every situation right now. I, 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 it's okay for me to say, okay, I think I understand where we are. And um, we'll meet again in seven hours. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then we'll try to solve it and then we'll make out. I mean, make up. And, uh, and all is well. Yes. <laughs> um, ladies, doesn't that just make you understand why it's important that you stick to the problem at hand? If you're bringing up past issues, what that does to your husband is it makes him feel like that problem is not resolved. Okay, do I need to go back and fix that issue or do I need to fix what you just brought up? I don't know what I need to fix. Then you got 14 hours of deliberation on his part. <laughs> no, but seriously. 21, 28. <laughs> it's good to, that's where that prayer comes in. Lord Jesus, help me to stick to the difficulty, the issue. One one issue and not bring up other things. And if you're madly in love, God doesn't intend these things to stand alone. If you're madly in love, these kind of things are par for the course, but it's just one part of the course. And it doesn't change the fact that you love each other, that, that I know that my wife is just unloading all kinds of issues in her heart, that I know that, and yet I love her so much, uh, I'm okay with it. Go ahead, you know, unload it. Because I love her, nothing's going to change that. 
And if she knows that and I know that, then we're good. And if she knows, you know, if I know that she loves me and I don't, honey, I just don't know the answer right now. We just say that, just say, you know what? I, I know you're really concerned. And we do this quite frequently. We've learned to do this. I don't know what the issue is here and how to solve it, but I love you. And I always will. And nothing's going to ever change the fact that I love you and we'll figure this out. We're going to get through this together. And, and, and sometimes just that alone solves the problem. It's just like, okay, you see it differently than I do, but we're in love and we know it. And, and, um, and, and I, I, I actually, I just, I just, I love it when my wife is upset at me because her blue eyes sparkle and it's like, it's just like a real turn on. I'm like, baby, those eyes are just incredibly blue right now. And uh, I just, I just, I'm just telling you. Woo. <laughs> she doesn't quite buy it, but it's the truth. I'm telling you, it's the truth. All right. Next question here. We got a few more minutes. Uh, how should a Christian couple argue? Is there a right and wrong way? A Christian couple should argue there's a right way. And we won't spend a lot of time on this one because tomorrow morning when we talk about conflict resolution in relation to communication, we're going to answer that question. So if you'll join us tomorrow morning, we'll talk about communication. We'll answer that question. I would tell you, though, be biblical. A soft answer turns away wrath. You always you always fight in love. Love each other, loyal but lower your voice. Love and lower your voice are two big ones. So I'll give you at least something to chew on there. All a, right. A quiet voice. This one, um, maybe they meant to give this to their spouse. I don't know. Uh, who is right? Bethley. <laughs> Good answer. Survey says. <laughs> All right. When is it okay to laugh? Anytime. The Bible says a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. And it would help your marriage if you learned to laugh. Laugh, laugh at the silliness. We all get our feelings bent out of shape. And, you know, if, if there's an insecurity in your life where you can't laugh at yourself, you ought to pray about that. Ask God to help you to laugh at yourself a little bit. Don't take yourself so seriously. Uh, some of you are more serious than others, but chuckle at yourself. And, and sometimes just laugh together. Uh, there's just times where we, you just have to laugh. Like, uh, I can't believe we disagreed over that. And, uh, and, and now it's over and we can laugh about it. Just laugh. The humor is a, a, a gift from God. The joy of the Lord is our strength. A merry heart does good like a medicine. And, and so it's all over the Bible. Laugh, laugh as often as you can. Now, if your spouse isn't laughing, you be careful. You don't want to, you don't want to die. <laughs> You know, but so use use wisdom, but laugh. All right. Good. Any other questions on that one? All right. Um, maybe Mike Herbster wrote this because he was wondering if you needed this. Does the speaker get paid or is the only? We sure hope so. <laughs> <laughs> he just maybe Dave Keck wrote that. I don't know. He's. All right. And this one is for, um, I, I, I can't, I mean, I, I know that question. I don't know what the intent of that was, but Bethany and I, uh, the way we make our living is primarily on love offerings. We, we travel to churches and preach and God's people. We've done this for, you know, all 29 years of our marriage, really God's people take an offering and whatever comes in, we live on. And, and our, one of the things we've tried to do is we've tried to live in such a way that we've tried to spend so little, it didn't matter too much what we made. 
And, and, and by doing that, it's meant that when we lived in the fifth wheel, all those, those 16 years, we kept the same fifth wheel for most of that. And uh, we had one that was, we first bought, it was old and falling apart, but we bought it, we bit the bullet and bought a new one and then drove it 500,000 miles and kept it for 21 years. And, and, but we did that so that, you know what, we didn't have a mortgage payment. We, we always try to pay cash for our cars so that if we went to a church and preached and the love offering was a hundred dollars, yeah, that's going to be a little tough, but it's not like we're going to fall apart and die. Uh, but those are exceptions. God's people have always taken good care of us. And normally when we come at a camp like this, it's a, what they call an honorarium. They don't know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe they will take an offering, but typically at a camp, it's an honorarium that the camp determines. And then, then some people do support us. So we have some churches that support us, not too many, but several individuals that do as well. But so at least a legitimate answer to that question. All right. This is for, for you. All right. Beth Lee here. Uh, based on all your teaching, how is your husband doing? <laughs> and there's a follow-up question to this. So uh, That's a good question. She yeah. should answer the first one. Uh, yeah, you think? I, we're I, I would love to hear the answer to this. You're doing great, baby. Uh, I wrote this question, by the way. <laughs> he also wrote this one, just for clarification. Uh, how do you know if a kiss is a winner? Well, I only know that your kisses are winners, so. Ooh. And on that note, we're leaving. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much for tuning in to the Southland Podcast. It is our prayer that you would know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you have never experienced salvation through Christ alone, would you please reach out to us? You can contact us through our website at www.southlandcamp.org or call our camp office at 318-894-9154. See you next time on the Southland Podcast.